This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Break with me, Kanto Kutik. I hope you're having a good Monday if you've just started your day, or have had a good one if you're coming to the end of your day. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. As an EFL teacher, I recall that during my teacher training days, we were taught a lot about communication in the classroom. For instance, we learned about the importance of balancing out teacher talk. You know, things like don't talk too much, let your learners um, talk, give them time to speak, give them opportunities to speak. So giving our learners more speaking time, think cooperative learning, communicative language teaching, role plays, group work. We learned about the importance too of grading our language and avoiding meta-language and the use of English only in the classroom. So initially I struggled with that and I've heard the same from fellow teachers. They didn't know what to do when their students switched to their first languages in group activities. They struggled having to give explanations in English only, especially when the students L1 seem more, well, especially when using the students L1 seem more intuitive and efficient. In the show today, we're going to look at translanguaging. Have you heard of that? Well, it's a term that originated within the field, actually within the field of EAL, English as an additional language. Put simply, it is the use of the learner's own language in the classroom where they're learning English. Now, this is not the same as code switching, which is a separate linguistic construction. Okay, a learner who uses their first language in their English lessons does so for a number of reasons, and not all of them negative. If you're an English teacher and you've had the situation with your learners, what do you do? What do you do? How do you encourage your students if they're speed speaking, you know, if they've reverted to their L1, when you've put them into groups, when you've, you know, given them pair work and you say, you know, your worksheets in English, what do you do when as soon as you've left them to work on their own, they immediately switch, they immediately switch to their first language, to their home language. Um, how do you feel when they do that? Do you 
do they get? Do you get annoyed? Do they try to hide it from you when you do that? Think about it. Um, my guest today, and my guest, I can see that you are there. Thank you very much. Um, my guest, I need you to click on the call-in button, please. Can you please find the call-in button and click on that um, so that I can get you into the show? Ah, I see that already. Well, basically, in the show today, I... We're not going to enter into a deep discussion, okay, about of our learners with you um, to consider the reasons together why our learners revert so freely to using their home language, their first language. And we want to discuss at the end of it why, you know, L1 use, why translanguaging can be beneficial, in fact, to our students. Um, so my guest is here, Huang Wen. Um, welcome. Let's just test your sound. Make sure you're here and um, say hello. Hello, everyone. I hope that is clear enough for me. Yes. Oh, it's absolutely clear. Um, <laughs> Huang, can you please tell us first, um, just to begin, um, tell our audience, tell our listeners who you are, where you are, what you teach, who you teach. Over to uh, you. Yeah, right. Thank you very much. And um, I would like to say hello, all of you. And I'm from Vietnam, Hanoi, Vietnam. My name is uh, Huang, and I'm very uh, honored to be here. Very pleasant for me to be here. And um, thank you for having me here, the host. Um, right. Um, my full name is Nguyen Huang, and I'm an English teacher. Um, I have been working as an English teacher for more than 12 years at um, university in Hanoi, and its name is the Academy of Journalism and Communication. And I also uh, visiting teachers, um, English visiting, uh, visiting teacher in uh, some other university in Hanoi. And my students are a diverse and dynamic group. Um, primarily comprising university undergraduate age between 18 and 22, as well as um, postgraduate students who are over 23 years old. So actually this range of ages and experiences brings a unique richness to my classroom interactions and some, some things I find incredibly rewarding. And um, I mostly teach um, GE, you know, general English programs, which encompass four fundamental skills like English listening um, skills, speaking, writing, and reading skills. And I also take care of um, some English major students. And my focus shifts to more specialized areas such as speaking skill and translation. Yeah. And these students often have a higher level of proficiency and are looking to refine their skills to um, professional or academic purposes. Yeah. Over to you, the host. Yes, thank you very, very much. Thank you, Wang. <laughs> That's lovely. Um, so you teach, just like me, you teach English language. Um, to students whose first language isn't English. Well, obviously, it's English as a foreign language. We teach university-age students. Um, your and my students have a high level of proficiency um, 
you teach GE. I think you also do some specialized courses, as do I. And my question, we, we chatted yesterday a little, Huang, and I was sharing with you that I find that my students, even though they have a good level of English, they tend to, when they're working on their own, and I've given them some work, they tend to revert mm. to using their first language, mm. you know, amongst each other, um, amongst each other. Uh, do you have that as yeah. well? Do you have that same experience? Yeah, me too. I have the same experience as you. Um, all the time, actually, nearly all the times when I um, give them some kinds of assignments or some mini tasks to do at the class. So they often turn to Vietnamese. They use Vietnamese to chat to each other. Or even some students, when I observed, they mm -hmm. use um, Vietnamese. They use Vietnamese to write their main ideas on the draft. And then they translate into English. Yeah. Why do you think they do that? I, I always wonder why my students do that. Mm, yeah, actually, um, when I ask them, why don't you use English to write or to speak to each other? Mm -hmm. They said that I feel uh, more, you know, confident, more convenient to interact with each other and they want to save time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to transfer their ideas to each other. Yes, Huang, I have the same, I have the same with my students when um, exactly the same experience as you, I, you know, we've, we've done a, a particular topic, let's say a particular, mm -hmm. you know, exercise, and then yeah. I say to them here, here's your worksheet, now I want you to look at this, I want you to, to work in groups mm -hmm. to solve this problem and they get together and then I hear na 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 in the background and I walk around and they're speaking in German and I, I do the same I ask them and um, they say roughly the same thing as your learners they tell me it's easier my mm. students say it's yeah. easier and it's faster mm. it's like they want to complete the task quickly and they find that it's just simply faster um, to, you know, to complete the activity, to complete the task in their first language. Are you disappointed when you hear answers like that? No, not really, because um, when I, actually, I did a mini research about chance languaging uh, to compare between the, 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 the students from their normal schools and mm -hmm. their students from their, you know, like foreign schools. I mean, yes. um, they use English all the time, Molo language. Um, right. And, uh, you know, an interesting, yeah, an interesting um, findings that um, in Vietnam, I don't know whether in, in, in Germany, but um, you have the same or not, but in Vietnam, uh, normally their high school teachers or um, secondary or primary school teachers when they uh, teach English they often follow um, they often follow grammar translation approach okay mm -hmm. yeah and the students they have a long time of a long time of um, you know learning English uh, in that approach so it's a kind of habit when okay think something, whenever they speak something, whenever they write something, they think in Vietnamese first, mm -hmm. yeah, and they 
uh, translate into English. And when they have the questions from the other one in English, yeah. they try to translate into Vietnamese first. They think the answer in Vietnamese, and then they translate their answer um, into English, and then they mm -hmm. answer it or they write their answer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. Um, uh, I've been reading a lot as well about translanguaging and and like you say i mean i i think it's a very interesting phenomenon and and what i discovered first when i began reading about translanguaging is mm. that it's actually a concept that um came up in within the field of english as an additional language that means in in english speaking countries like in the us or australia or the UK and like what you say. So this would be different mm. from the monolingual classroom, like, you know, high school classrooms in Vietnam or in Germany or even um, high school classrooms anywhere else where English is taught as a for foreign language. So we have that one difference. And the other difference is that, so these um, English language classes in English speaking countries, usually well in addition to the the students being from you know multilingual and multicultural the teachers don't speak very often the teachers don't speak the students l1 mm. right um it is very much the same in in germany huang where um at certain levels in school they do still follow the grammar translation method maybe not so strictly but there's um, things like um, vocabulary learning when it comes to vocabulary learning i know that it's quite common here in schools where um, the kids high school kids get list of words in english and their german translations and they have to learn those words and then they get tested And when they get tested, the words are often tested, like maybe in a sentence or just individual words. You know, here's the German word, give us the English word. Um, so it's not in context. And then when in, in certain levels also, um, teachers will do items of classroom management in German as well. So it's not really English only is it so students i suppose they're used to it and and they expect it and i suppose students also find that it's just more efficient to get things done yeah isn't it um yeah. has your experience then been with students if you oh no sorry let me put the question differently have you tried to push your students to English only in the classroom when they're working independently? So many times. Actually, it's the rule. I, I always set the rules in my class that uh, English major class only, mm -hmm. that you have to speak English all the time, not only to me, but also to your peers. Um, mm -hmm. All the time you have to do that. Even when you're taking note, when you're taking note, you should do it in English. So when I set the rules, they mm -hmm. have to follow. They have to follow. Yeah, this first one is the, um, the, 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 the rules of my class. But I suddenly discover an interesting fact that um, whenever 
I join my class, they likely they are forced. They are forced to mm -hmm. speak English. Right. However, however, when a native speaker teacher, they enter my class. We also have the foreign foreign teachers. Mm -hmm. When they enter my class, they are willing. They are very happy to speak in English with them very freely. Ah. They chat with them all the time, and they express like not only the language, um, but also a kind of body language or gesture. They act as the native speaker. I don't know whether they are um, mimic or they. It is um, you know a kind of habit, but it's quite difference from my classes. <laughs> Sometimes I really you know disappointed and some unhappy about that. I'm I'm really sad that oh why they are you know unwilling unwillingly communicate in English in my classes. But but they would they... do it to the other <laughs> teacher. They would do it to the native speaker. Yeah. That's yeah. very interesting. <laughs> that is very yeah. very interesting. So uh, so uh, that that's actually quite counterintuitive. It's yeah. actually quite counterintuitive, don't you think? Because if if you think that they're using, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, if you think right, if we th imagine this scenario, okay, you've got a class, you're the teacher, yeah, um, you share the same first language as them, and you've given them group work, and straight away yeah, yeah. they they work in, you know, they they use their first language to negotiate yeah. meaning to complete yeah. the task, and you would think that if they had to speak to anybody in English, they'd be confident yeah. speaking to you, right? They'd be confident. And, and generally, I mean, for me as a non-native speaker of German, I'm not very confident speaking to native speakers uh, of German. I always think, oh, no, my German isn't that good. Uh, so, you, you know, our logic, our reasoning would dictate that your students would be more shy would be less confident about speaking to the native speaker um, in English, and yet they've done the exact opposite. Yeah, yeah, very, very. They, 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 you know, communicate in English with the native speakers very fluently, very um, confidently. However, I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Actually, I don't know why in my class they like a kind of. Um, I unwillingly do that, and sometimes they get stressed, maybe about my rules. Uh huh. <laughs> about, about the rules. I don't know why, but I I try. Actually, I try to make it more comfortable to um have um learning environment, but uh just some kinds of difference, and I I I'm trying to find the answer for that. Do you think that maybe? With the native speaker, they there's a sense of wanting to show off. Yeah, you know, right. like yeah. you know, like yeah, That's we it. can do this. <laughs> Whereas with you, maybe yeah. because you're their, how would you say, um, their main teacher, you're their original yeah. teacher. Yeah. There's yeah. that fear of judgment. Sure. Yeah. That's it. Mm. I I'm thinking about that. Okay. Um, the teacher, okay, so um, Huang will also uh, find the mistakes, find the errors in speaking, in grammar, mm -hmm. something like that. But for the native speakers, they never pay attention to that. They just focus on the meaning and on the meaning. Yeah, right. 
um so maybe it's a reason <laughs> oh yeah you you should you should try and try and observe that um yeah that that's 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 really really interesting um we're gonna take a break now and and when we come back from the break huang i think um i'd like to to talk with you about some strategies whereby we can kind of get and encourage our students to use the you know to kind of help them see you know when is it appropriate and okay to use the first language and when would it be better to just really really try to to work with the second language but we're going to have sure. to take take a break right now we'll be right back in five minutes stay on the line this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr2324 for 20 percent off your order don't miss out Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the EtonX curriculum in your school for free. Visit EtonX.com to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Ofsted finds itself in the news again, as inspections paused for two-week period to allow inspectors to undertake mental health awareness training begin again on the 22nd of January. ITV News shared the results of a survey of almost 2,000 school leaders, which showed that 97% support the removal of single-word judgments. The survey, carried out by NAHT Union, followed the outcome of the inquest into the death of Ruth Perry. The union has urged Ofsted to implement a number of changes, including a mechanism for school leaders to halt an inspection where an inspector's conduct falls below standards, extending the notice period schools receive for inspection, and asking them to revert to a process, however temporarily, of ungraded inspections similar to those conducted during the pandemic. Meanwhile, the BBC reports that Ofsted has apologised fully for the first time for the role it played in Ruth Perry's death. The apology came at the same time as Ofsted responded to the coroner's prevention of future deaths notice. In the PFD response, new Ofsted chief Sir Martin Oliver said, such tragedies should never happen again, and that he apologised sincerely for the part inspection played in her death. Since the death of Mrs Perry, schools judged as inadequate on safeguarding alone are now re-inspected within three months. Ofsted also changed its confidentiality rules to allow heads to speak to colleagues, family, friends and health professionals about outcomes of inspections before the report is actually published. 
The Department for Education has committed to working with Ofsted to review things during a consultation in the spring, which it is calling the Big Listen. Education unions praised Ofsted's positive steps, but said they were only the beginning. The weather has been front and centre of the news this week, with schools across parts of Wales and Scotland being forced to close due to snow. Icy conditions and weather warnings made for tricky travel and forced school closures in areas badly affected. For those concerned that the post-pandemic impact of remote learning would mean the end of snow days, pictures on social media and local news proved that this was not always the case. But anyone worried that the icy blasts will last can be assured that the weather is set to return to normal over the next few days. Authors, including Sir Michael Morpogo and Mallory Blackman, have written an open letter urging the government to invest in early years reading. According to a Book Trust survey, only half of children between one and two from low-income families are read to daily, with some families struggling to access books and being in need of support. The letter from authors is addressed to both Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and Labour leader Sakir Starmer and says it is not right that children from poorer backgrounds are deprived of a life rich in reading. Sir Michael Mopogo is president of the Charity Book Trust and helped launch their new campaign Get Reading to support disadvantaged children in family reading. He spoke on BBC's Radio 4's Today programme saying that the younger that children are introduced to the power of stories, the better chance there is of putting them on an extraordinary pathway of knowledge, understanding and empathy. He also said that books need to be free at the point of delivery, like the health service. A DFE spokesperson said, We are committed to raising literacy for children. But Sir Michael said that these efforts are clearly not enough. Finally, The Guardian features an article which looks at research in America that appears to show that children learn better on paper than on screens. The research follows headlines across the pond which focused on the nationwide collapse in reading scores among American youths, citing a four-point drop in the comprehension skills of 13-year-olds, falling below skill levels of 1971 for the worst-performing students. Politicians appear to be assigning blame to the pandemic and the subsequent lockdowns, with remote learning being labelled as bad for students by the Biden administration. Others blame teachers who they say lobbied for lockdowns. However, the article itself focuses on a new study by neuroscientists at Columbia University's Teachers College, which appears to show there is a clear advantage to reading a text on paper <coughs> rather than on a screen because it leads to what they describe as deeper reading. A sample of 59 children aged 10 to 12 were asked to complete a series of tasks, which led researchers to conclude that we should not yet throw away printed books and shouldn't rely on the digital revolution just yet. Further details can be read on the Guardian website. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Okay, and so we're back, and now um, it's me and Huang. We've been talking about translanguaging in the classroom. We've been talking about how our students tend to revert to their first language. In Huang's case, Vietnamese. Huang is a teacher in Vietnam, and in my case, to German. When we've you know we've done our 
bit of teaching input and given our students some work. And when they're working in their groups, they discuss, their discussions are in their first language. They take make their notes, take notes in their first language. And what I'd like to look at now is to come up with maybe some situations, Huang, where we think L1 use in the language classroom is seen um, as a strength and where we could actually accept it. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, in my English classes, there's you know, different levels of students. They have their you know, the different frequencies of using uh, L1 in uh, EFL classes. Um, you know, for some GE classes, uh, general yeah. English classes, they use English. Uh, sorry, they use Vietnamese more often. Okay. Um, they you know, like exchange their ideas or um, asking some questions even to the teachers or their friends, classmates. Mm -hmm. um, they, uh, you know, like they think, you know, basically they think about the answer normally. Um, they think about the answers in Vietnamese and they write in Vietnamese and they translate into English. I think it's okay uh, because mm. they try to focus on the the the, the uh, correct uh, corrections of the 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 grammar. Yeah. Yeah. They try to avoid uh, the uh, spelling mistake or grammatical mistake. They want yeah. to perfect their sentence or their answer. Mm. And it's a strength, sorry to interrupt, Huang, yeah. but it's a strength, isn't it? When when you think about it, for them to yeah. be able to have that thought process, right? So they've, they've, they've been given some input in English or they've got a question and, and they, 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 they want to ask the teacher. It's a strength to actually have that question or to have those ideas in their L1. And to be able to, you know, express those ideas, to ask that question in English, it is actually a strength being able to use two languages. It's, it's, mm. it's translation. Actually, it is. Um, I think it is a strength because uh, for the first time, they want to bridge the gap between the teacher and the students in the class. Normally, we have mm -hmm. the gap between teachers and students and they are afraid they are fair of making of asking questions to the teacher right when they feel more comfortable and when they feel open uh, to the teachers and they share they they, they are not um, afraid of um, making mistakes so day by day step by step they will ask the questions in English however for the first time they normally ask the questions in Vietnamese um, I think it is a good way at first to mm -hmm. um, narrow the gap between their teachers and their students. Yeah, it's just about the way they think. But mm. I think the first time it is um, good for them. But when they feel more comfortable with the teachers, they will, you know, use English more. They use English more to make the questions or answering the questions. Yeah. I, I, I like what, what you said there about... Um... Feeling, feeling more comfortable, yeah. you know, with the teacher. I think especially if you've got a new class, you've got a new group of students, yeah. even if, you know, um, sometimes we think 
even oh we 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 know the student that's all fine but but especially you know it, it is a dynamic isn't it it's the student yeah. and you it's the student and their classmates and and um people i think no matter what age whether they're in grade school or or at university or even adult learners um we don't like it when when we know we're putting our effort you know, into learning a yeah. new language and then somebody yeah. laughs at us. Um, yeah. it, it's, it's very, very embarrassing, no matter what culture you're in. And, and I think you, as a teacher also, you generally, you know, if you've got that, those years of experience, you can also generally tell if a student is trying to find an easy way out by using, you know, their first language or if they're testing the waters i i've had i've had for example i have a student that i've known um for now at this point for a year and um we had a class online last week and um he wanted to answer a question so i called on him and then in the online classroom, um, he turned on his sound and then he said in German, can you all hear me? And I said to him, I said, yes, we can hear you, but you know you can say that in German and then you know, um, in English. And then we all laughed and, and, and he knew and he was, he was very apologetic. Yeah. He said, oh, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> and, and then I had a similar situation where I was working with a group of um, 11 year olds in a secondary school and one of the kids came up and um, it was a craft activity and, and the student needed glue and stickers and came up to me and asked for, for that equipment in German and I said to her, I said to her in English um, and because I, I've, I've been listening to the classroom and, and I know roughly what they can say. So I then said to her, I said, oh, well, you can say that in English, can't you? You know, as an encouragement. And then she admitted, she said, oh, but I'm not sure how to say it. And then I pushed her a little and I said, why don't you try? And so she said, you know, she tried it one word at a time. It was very slow, yeah. but because it was just me and her, she was then, you know, comfortable and confident. And then when other kids came up to ask for, for glue and stickers, and I said the same thing to them, you know, that they could say it in English, they were more confident because they saw how I had dealt with her, how I had encouraged their classmate. So I think as a, as a teacher, we can generally tell if, you know, a student is testing, if a student is unsure. And um, even for me as an adult learner, you know, of German, when I go to certain meetings that I have at work that are run in German, I always have those, you know, things I want to say in my head in English and yeah. I try and work out how do I say this in German? Yeah. yeah but do you think that for adult learners, the, the, the situation will change, the things will change a little bit and more difficult for them than... I think they're more conscious. I think, I think, 
I don't know. Um, I'll tell you what I think, and then you tell me if 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 you think the same. I find that adult learners, they are more self-conscious about making mistakes because they feel that that maybe the teacher feels that they should know this because maybe they had learned this in school. Whereas I find that my younger learners, the ones, especially the ones who are still in school, um, they have, they're not shy to say, to tell me, well, I don't know how to say that. And, and, and the kids will say that to me. They will say in German, I don't know how to say that. And then I'll help them to say it. But my adult learners, they're very, they're very afraid of making mistakes because they think that I will judge them. Um, In the university classroom, they're afraid that their classmates will judge them. They're afraid of being laughed at. What, what are your thoughts? What has your experience been? Yeah. Um, uh, I have the same situation, but when I compare between the university students, I mean the uh, undergraduate and the mm-hmm. postgraduate students. So um, the uh, undergraduate students, they are normally are very shy if they try to speak something in English. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but for the postgraduate um, students, they... Um, they're very confident actually even they they know that uh, even they know that they will make some mistakes and even they um, pronounce something uh, wrong or something mm-hmm. incorrectly but they are very confident to speak something out and right they have the belief that the teacher will um, will be there to uh, have them to correct to have them to run in a good way so they always they always confident and even their pronunciation is not quite as good as their undergraduate students but they very they they are more confident than mm. undergraduate students yeah so mm. um they uh, yeah and they they try they try to avoid using vietnamese in the efl classes Mm-hmm. However, for the undergraduate students, they try to use as much as possible, use Vietnamese as much as possible. <laughs> mm. I yeah. think, I mean, maybe it's, it's, it, it has to do with, with what you've said earlier, isn't it? It's um, their own language learning experience in school yeah. because you go from school to university and, yeah. you know, that first stage, you're the undergraduate Oops, some tech issues there. Um, <clears throat> so you go from school to to university. You're an undergraduate. You still very much, you're very much, you know, influenced. You're very much um, molded by by the learning experiences that you've had in yeah. school. So if in school it's been, you know, a lot of grammar translation. If in school your teacher has done a lot of explanations in, in the L1. If your teacher's always done, you know, classroom management um, stuff in Vietnamese or in my case, you know, German, then you come to university and suddenly, and I suppose in the case of your students, suddenly they have a teacher who's yeah. Vietnamese like them, but then this teacher uh, does everything in 
in English from taking attendance right down to setting homework, giving explanations, does everything in English, they find that really unusual. And, and, and they've, they've got to, you know, their head has got to, to kind of come to terms with that. Whereas with the postgraduate students, because they've been yeah, at yeah. universities for a couple of years. Yeah, that's it. So um, uh, in, in this case, so I, 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 I try to avoid making them the I mean the undergraduate shocked, mm -hmm. and yeah, I uh, avoid using using English all the time for yeah. non English major student. But however, for English major students, I have to use English all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you probably don't get that question, but <clears throat> excuse me, you don't get this question. I get it um quite often. I get it from the school kids that I work with, and I get it from my first semester students, the ones who come fresh out of secondary school into university, yeah. they yeah. always ask me, they always ask me, do you speak German? <laughs> <laughs> and I always say, hmm, no. I mean, it's a total lie, yeah? yeah. But I go, hmm, <laughs> no. Because the thing is, I find that as soon, I find that as soon as they know that I speak oh. German, then then they they don't they just don't put in the effort anymore oh. to to speak english they're not pushed anymore i i have found that that for the students who who believe mm. that i don't speak german like when they come to me and they have to you know excuse themselves for something or they need to leave early i see them standing in front of me and and they go um excuse me miss but like um, today I have to leave early. So they, they're able to say that. They say, I have to leave early because I have, and then you can see, I can see the thought process through their eyes where they're thinking, how do I say this word? This I know this only in German. How do I say it in English? Oh, and, wow. you know, but it really, really pushes them. Mm. And I just stand there and I'm patiently, you know, wow. looking at them and, and waiting for them. And then, you know, maybe two semesters down the road, Mm. they discover that um, I do speak German and then they're just <laughs> so shocked, like, you know, and, and, I, and I look at them and, and I wink and I go, look, that's your secret mm. and my secret. Just don't tell anybody, you mm. know, but, but they're, um, in, in your case, I suppose you don't have it because they, mm. your students know, right, mm. that you speak Vietnamese. Um, so that was very interesting. We were talking a little bit about, about classroom management things and, and you say you do that in, in Vietnamese. Do you do that the same for, you know, all classes, all levels? I know probably not for the postgraduate, but in your undergraduate? Yeah, I do that. And I, I really do that for all the, uh, my classes. However, there's one idea come up to my mind that um, there the educational policy. So mm -hmm. in, in Vietnam, is there's um, top-down approach. Right. So um, when I was a novice teacher, mm -hmm. I was reported. I was reported to the um, fan QT. Oh uh, no! What yeah, did you do? Because uh, I used um, English all the time. I didn't use Vietnamese. Um, okay. I try to explain at the time I, in the classroom. I try mm -hmm. to explain everything in English. Even they uh, didn't understand. So I try to stop there and explain the thing I said before mm -hmm. in English. And 
until they understand what I mean. However, they uh, said that it's quite tired. They quite tired to. It means at that time they they took a long time to、mm-hmm. understand what I mean in English. Yeah. They have now at, at that time they had to brainstorm a lot. Right.、Uh, so it can it could cause them tiredness. Okay. They reported it, to the. Oh no. So, so they were not happy with that teaching method. They felt that sure,、yeah. they felt that it took them longer to understand. They、sure. felt that it took them longer to make any kind of progress. Yeah, right. So I was advised、uh, to use Vietnamese more to explain some abstract concepts.、Mm-hmm. And、um, yeah, I, I, I was very happy to. Um, receive any kinds of comments or advice because it's very valuable for my teaching、um, process. However, yeah, yeah. However, sometimes I I felt uncomfortable、uh, with this kinds of policy because I didn't have any kinds of、um, management, yeah, myself management to to my class. So okay, so whether into country. You have the same? No, maybe no, right? No, I mean, it. We like we have a curriculum. Um,、yeah. I mean, you could have a student. I mean, I can imagine, right? I can imagine it is not unheard of, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, you know, let's say if I had a class, um, I teach one exam class. That's, um, it's not a general English class. It's a a grammar class. Ah, yeah. And um. I can imagine, for me, let's say worst case scenario. So I teach in English only. I do my classroom management in English only.、Mm-hmm. And、um, let's say, okay. So I'll tell you, give you a bit of context about this class. So students take an exam at the end of this class, and it's a very important exam. And they have three tries. That means if they、wow. fail this exam yeah, yeah. three times. They、yeah. cannot continue studying on this、yeah. particular program. Okay, so let's say I have a student who takes this class, and this student struggles because you know, let's say, according to the student, they've not understood me. They've not understood my explanations. They've not understood、okay. my input.、Um, I work with a textbook that's English only. They've not understood the textbook. They might go after the third try. They might go and appeal to the faculty and say,、um, "I was disadvantaged because my teacher only spoke English and did not provide any input in German." They they might do that. It's um it is a possibility. Um, I don't know what the faculty would say, but um, the faculty I know that the faculty would not come back to me and say you have to teach in German. They would not say that because what we have actually is we have module hand handbooks. So、um, for our degree program, each course we call it a module, and each module has a description. Yeah. And in the module description, it actually states、mm. what the the language of instruction is. So it actually does oh, say, very yeah. yeah, very clearly that the language of instruction in this course is in English. 
So I suppose a student could go along and complain and and say that that they were disadvantaged. Um, but then the faculty would say, "Hmm, but hang on a minute." In the module handbook, it does say that the language of instruction is in English. So, sorry, we, you know, you have no grounds for appeal. Um, and and I suppose in in your case, it it is quite, um, it, it's quite challenging for you as a teacher. If on the one hand, you you know you you're convinced about the the value of of your pedagogy and yeah. and you know you know you have reasons for for teaching the way you do especially yeah. in the foreign language classroom isn't it i mean if yeah. you were teaching math yeah. and um you thought okay well uh, i'll do a bit of math and i'll teach it in english but you know your students aren't going to understand it um even though they're english and math majors so you you focus in on teaching math in in Vietnamese, that's absolutely fine. But yeah. but you're teaching them English. You you you're teaching them to go out into the world to use English and to understand English. And and I think a language classroom um, isn't as effective if at some point you're using more of the learner's home language than the foreign language. Actually, um, I did understand that, and all the faculty members did understand that. But um, for the reality, for the practical method, they uh, normally use uh, Vietnamese to explain, mm. uh, to save time, save um, effort, or something like that. And um, actually, for the rules, actually, uh, the rules is not quite strict mm. and not quite clear as yours. So. Um, they have some ways to um, complain. Yeah. Mm. Actually, um, in Vietnam, um, the class is normally the multi-level students. Right. It is not clearly stated like uh, your um, elementary um, uh, or advanced, something like that. No, mm. just mixed class. So it's quite oh. difficult for me or the other teachers to use all the English all the times or um, use um, Vietnamese less than English or use um, Vietnamese more than English. So it, it is quite difficult or quite challenging for us to adjust. Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, that's the difficulty as well. That's that's the difficulty with 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 a multi-level class as well, because, you know, you don't want on the one hand, you don't want the the lower level students to feel that they've been disadvantaged because they can't understand you and they feel that half the lesson has gone past them. And on the other hand, you know, you don't want the, the, you know, the more fluent, the more competent students to think that the class is useless because they don't get a chance to speak, you know, in, in English. Um, You've, you've actually led very nicely into what I wanted to finish with um and that's um the teacher use of the first language in the classroom i use german in my classrooms um rarely but i do use it when for example making very important administrative announcements mm. so um my students for example they have exam periods or 
yeah, basically it's, I only use it for exam periods or when, when I'm announcing, you know, really important matters pertaining to things like registration for their thesis or, you know, announcements like that, because I find that if I don't do it in their first language, you know, and then they might come along and say, well, you didn't say it, like they don't yeah, hear yeah, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. right? So I, I do that then. And and also I have some words um, that are in German that, you know, administrative words, official words that I just can't translate. And yeah. and I find it very silly to, to say, to have a sentence in English and then throw in that German word. So I just say the whole thing, yeah. you know, in German. Um, another time another time that i do use german in the classroom is um when i get angry with them <laughs> um sometimes when i think about it it does sound a bit funny but i find that they don't take me seriously when um i show them that i'm disappointed or i'm a little bit cross with them when i do that in english they don't take me seriously because they don't, um, they understand the words, but they don't understand the implication. Uh, They don't understand the intended meanings. Whereas they, my students have learned that when, if I say something in German, then I am truly, you know, disappointed with them. Mm. Yeah, so that's from my part. What what about for you? In what other aspects do you find using (laughs) L1? It's yeah. the same, isn't it? It's just it's <laughs> yeah. just the impact is different. The same, no, um, the same. Now, when I want my students to understand fully what I want them, so I have to speak in Vietnamese, like the mm. group or the assignment or the instruction, um, something like that. And yeah, I, I I would like to make sure that they will go in the correct way. Mm. The second one when I I use um, Vietnamese in my EFL classes that I want to show my angriness. I'm yep. disappointing with them and I'm disappointed with them and I'm very angry at that time. Mm-hmm. So they may some some of them may get what I mean, but some, <laughs> some they, they they just think, Oh, I'm explaining something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think socially, I think socially, when you use the same language, you're actually, you know, you're actually showing, come on, we're in this, we're in this together. Hmm. I think when you're using the same language, you're showing that you're in this together. Whereas if, you know, you're expressing your disappointment in, 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 in English and, and they're, you know, in my case, German L1 or in your case, Vietnamese L1, that there's still that gap. There's still yeah. that hierarchical gap that... Yeah. You know, you're a teacher and, and we're the student. Um, whereas if you do it in the same language, you're, you're kind of showing, I feel that I'm showing, look, I'm, I'm in the same room with you. I'm in the same pot with you. And okay. what you just did was not on. Um, we've got to summarize soon. Our, our hour, it has passed so quickly. It's coming to an end. <laughs> but I just have a short message from our sponsors and then we'll summarize. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? 
Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Introducing Eton X from Eton College, a diverse range of quality online courses enabling young people to aspire and excel. Designed for self-study, these web-based courses empower your students with essential leadership, communication and academic skills for success at school and beyond. Our study skills course sharpens their learning abilities, while the AI Fundamentals course equips them with vital digital know-how in a fast-changing world. Other popular courses include verbal communication, critical thinking, writing skills, resilience, creative problem solving, and many more. Offer the Eaton X curriculum in your school for free. Visit EatonX.com to find out more. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. This week in the news, the Joseph Roundtree Foundation published their report, Poverty 2024. Among many of its startling conclusions was that one in five people, that's 22% of the UK population, were in poverty. In 2021 to 22, that's 14.4 million people. 8.1 million were working age adults. 2.1 million were pensioners, and 4.2 million were children aged between 3 and 10. And overall, this represented the longest period of increased poverty in over 20 years. These figures also show that 6 million people were in what the Roundtree Foundation describes as very deep poverty. This week, widely reported, was the government's plan to ban disposable vapes. The Guardian carried a story earlier in the week of a head teacher who revealed that a vape detector he had installed in school bathrooms went off more than 100 times on the first day. He also recalled his horror when a student passed out after sharing a vape with someone else before school. Speaking to head teachers up and down the country, I don't think there's one school where young children are not addicted to vapes. He is quoted saying. The Times Educational Supplement on the 24th of January carried a story that would hardly surprise many teachers, with the headline that just four in ten teachers found their last inset day useful. 41% of classroom teachers questioned in a survey described their last inset day as either somewhat useful or very useful, while a third said it was not particularly useful, according to figures published by Teachers Tab. The findings were based on 9,000 teachers across England, surveyed during the autumn of 2023, and a part of a report highlighting shortcomings in current teacher professional development. However, almost a fifth of teachers, 17%, said they would prefer to receive £2,500 worth of CPD vouchers over, or rather instead of, a £1,000 pay rise. The conclusion being, that teachers value professional development if they have more control over its delivery. According to The Guardian this week, London councils are preparing to mothball schools to avoid a boom-or-bust cycle of closures. This is primarily caused by a falling birth rate, 
higher housing costs and the aftermath of Brexit, which saw an exodus of young families from the London area. This week in the House of Commons, Gillian Keegan, the Education Secretary, was accused of filibustering by the Speaker Lindsay Hoyle, who admonished her for her lengthy, time-wasting answers to questions over exams and crumbling schools. The Speaker said, We're having this problem every time, and it's topical questions. They're meant to be short and punchy. And finally, this week saw the conclusion of the BET Education Technology Conference in London at the Excel Centre. Among the many exhibitors you will have found, if you'd gone there, the Teachers Talk Radio exhibit, with Tom Rogers and other Teachers Talk Radio presenters conducting interviews, recording videos, which you can find on YouTube, and generally creating awareness of the work of Teachers Talk Radio. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Jock Gibbs. Well, I've been here for the last hour with my guest, Huang Wen. We have been talking about translanguaging in the classroom. We've shared how, you know, our we've shared our experiences, our very similar experiences about our students using their first language when we leave them alone to do group work, pair work, work on their own. Um, we've discussed that actually, you know, there are situations where L1 use is actually seen as a strength because it shows that our students are processing the information that they've received. They're processing also what they want to say to us first in their first language um, and then, you know, um, expressing themselves in, in the new language. We've also seen that sometimes teacher use of the L1 is efficient, is important so that misunderstandings don't occur. And um, we see that L1 use, um, we've agreed that L1 use isn't actually something that's detrimental. And, and as a teacher, we need to see um, where we can support our learners. And if helping them, you know, through their lessons with their first language as a tool um, can only do all of us a world of good. So thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, remember, you can listen back to previous episodes on ttradio.org. Later today, Ray Whitehouse will be talking about classroom and whole school inclusion on the Late Late Show. And tomorrow, Emily Edwards will talk about assemblies. Thank you everyone for being with us today. Thank you, Huang. It has yeah. been a pleasure. Thank you very much for me to be here and uh, having me here. Um, have a nice day. Have a nice evening to you too. World, you have much. you checked out the latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.